0: In unsurpassed, penetrating,
1: and perfect dharma is rarely met with, even in a hundred thousand million accomplices having it to
0: see and listen to, to remember and accept. I vow it to taste the truth of the Tevita's words.
1: I just wanted to, uh, to use that to remind us, I mean, I, I mentioned I mention the dead parrot sketch often when I talk about not reifying our experience, not making a a thing of it, and in some sense not killing it, and that we don't want it to become an ex-parrot. So I just thought I would um, emphasize that point for us with that skit. Uh, it is uh, it's it's hard to share. It's probably a way to have um, captions, but it seemed like not worth trying to figure that out. I've been thinking about in this in terms of this. Aside from just looking forward to seeing again, I watched it. Uh, I guess it was yesterday to to see which was the better of the two top. Uh, videos offered, so I have have it in mind. But at any rate, what I've been thinking about in relation to this is what does it mean to live in the world without killing all the parrots? Because we have to live in this world where tables are hard and you could stub your toe. And there are cons, there are which I didn't bother. I'm actually looking one up, but I know that I've talked about them, you've heard about them, and so on. That it's kind of like that, you know, the, the student says, Do you know the absolute? And the teacher says, Yes. And the uh, student says, Are you there now? And the teacher says, No, I'm in hell. The student says, Why? If I didn't enter the hell realm, you couldn't hear me. In other words, if I were living in the Absolute all the time, or right now, I would be inaccessible to individuals. So, okay. And then we read a fascicle called Only a Buddha and a Buddha, and and Dogen is saying that in order to really understand the teaching, you have to, in some sense, uh, be able to enter the, he doesn't use this phrase, you have to be able to enter the Buddha realm. But then, I don't know what that means, that he, he doesn't say Buddha realm, but I think that's close enough. So then what, you know? I, if you enter the Buddha realm, isn't that entering the absolute? And then how could you hear? How could anybody teach, you know, just, but they say the universe hums. Maybe it's a hum, I don't know. But There sure as hell aren't, you know, individual words. Every time you open your mouth, you make a mistake, right? Every time you open your mouth, you discriminate.
2: And you have to. So
1: I don't know exactly what Dogen means. He doesn't really define it in that fascicle. And he doesn't put it in, in the stark terms that I just did. But I I'll tell you what I what I take from it. And I don't know I have no idea what Dogan would think of this, what I'm about to say. In order to be able to hear the whatever, what did we just say, an unsurpassable something dharma is really met with
3: penetrating and perfect
1: thank you so how can we hear that how can we be available to it you know it's only is not that much to do with a particular person who's lecturing or talking No, we're not claiming to be a buddha but it's it
2: is about being available for it I think
1: and I think that's what Dogen means something about being available for the dharma. How can we be willing to
2: let it let it penetrate?
1: How can we be sufficiently non-attached to our ideas and our Individual uh, feelings and opinions. I mean, so often, I know when uh, when people, especially in the beginning, are are uh, learning something about the Dharma, they uh, they try to fit it into their mindset and approach that they already have. So that often people who are, are therapists or of, of some stripe, you know. They'll uh, they'll learn some Buddhist psychology, and it will they will attach to some of those ideas, and so that the alaya, the storehouse consciousness, becomes the unconscious or the subconscious, or you know, especially uh, the Jungian notion of the collective consciousness and you know yeah but not but not just that you know it is it's difficult to just let go of our regular ideas or <laughs> I'm I like this example and I use I've used it a number of times I'm sure but when I took physics at Cal they had changed from a sort of a Literary model of physics for non majors to a real um, physics class. You know, not, not by their, for, from their perspective, probably physics for kindergartners or something, but it was real physics. And there are idea, there are facts, not ideas, I think they're facts, that are counterintuitive. When, when, when you squeeze a liquid into a smaller pipe, it goes faster. And you, I say, no, I've, I've had to merge into a tunnel and you go slower. It doesn't go faster. How could it go faster? It's a narrower space. You know. And my mind would just kind of ex- finally, I had a hard time in that class until I finally realized, just accept it just stop arguing with it, stop trying to uh, go by your common sense, and go by what they've learned with their uh, experiments and observations. (laughs) And it got a lot easier and more interesting too. But that experience has stuck with me, that experience of setting aside my my idea, and being open to this this newer idea that challenged common sense. So that realm of being open and being willing to let the dharma in and to stop uh, killing it. And I just I love it. it it, you know the climactic line from that. You know this, this is an ex parrot. You know, don't don't kill it. Let the parrot be a parrot. And um, of course, it's still just another idea. Of course, it's empty of own existence. Of course, of course, of course. And it's still a parrot. And we we live with it as a parrot. And and I think that. You know, the, the, one of the cons calls it the hell realm, but doesn't necessarily the hell realm, it's just the human realm. And we make it the hell realm, I could say, by killing it, killing the experience, by putting so many labels all over it that, that it can't breathe anymore. In the, in the, uh, an image I have is of, a, you know, you had a perfectly live, happy parrot. And then you start putting labels on it with you know like paper mache strips of paper mache and pretty soon it's totally covered and it can't breathe and it's dead that's
2: what we do much and that's not that's not the buddha way that's not the really human way It's not the bodhisattva way let's say which is just to let the parrot be a parrot vasubandhu comes
1: to in the end in the 30 verses you know that just (laughs) get over it you live in the relative world that's how it is so stop trying to get somewhere else stop trying to make it something else stop um imposing your belief on it and just let the parrot be a parrot and that that uh that not adding on to it that not killing it
2: that's enlightenment that's
1: refraining from making something out of it and just letting it be itself letting that particular one of the myriad dharmas come forth and experience itself and define you in the process.
2: So I did
1: to encourage us and me, uh, well, us includes me. I wanted to encourage us
2: to remember to relax and
1: let the experience happen. Let the world happen. Free the parrot to fly around back back to Norway and the fjords. (laughs) It was one of the lines, it was for the fjords. (laughs) So it's it's, uh, just really useful, I think, to remind ourselves every so often. To relax and let let it go, let go of all of those ideas. Let set the burden down every so often. More often we do it, the better, the easier it is. So don't let, don't make your parrot <laughs> an ex-parrot. That's, that's what I wanted to say. So any, any comments, maybe we have questions if you want, but I don't please. it's susceptible.
0: It's funny you brought up physics, because isn't there a, it's like a booklet or something on quantum physics and Zen?
1: There's, um, there's a, there's a book by Busong um, called the Heart Sutra. What is it, the Heart Sutra in light of quantum physics? Yes, that's it, yeah. And he... Go on, I'm sorry.
0: Well, I was going to say, and not that I understand quantum physics, I have glimpses. um, But I think, the thing I think of is how this bell is solid. But if you zoom in on a subatomic level, it's just space with things buzzing around. It's not what you think it is. So it sort of lives in two realms in a sense. Maybe that's what they're talking about. Yeah, it's hard to let go,
2: at least sometimes. Mm-hmm.
0: But probably the most rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> not that we're looking for rewards, but um, but thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you could say that in, in, when we do, it enriches our experience mm-hmm. right? because you open the hand and let let the
2: bird fly. Steve,
3: I think this is related. On the way over this morning, they had they had the closure, which I knew about, and I had to take an alternate route to get here. And I wasn't running terribly late, but traffic was a lot slower than I anticipated, and I was noticing, how I was feeling about it. And then I realized that I actually, uh, when I started tapping my fingers on the steering wheel, I actually felt a little bit better than if I just tried to say, don't get road rage, mm-hmm. sort of like the, and, and I, and somehow that felt like, I don't know, letting the parrot live. Uh, you know, I, I, tend, um, and I thought, I wonder how much I do that, how much I, I I try not to suppress my anger, you know, I I try to let it be and and not act out to find that balance, but I wasn't harming anybody by tapping on the steering wheel and I thought, how often do I unnecessarily not let you know those feelings flow and kind of try to kill it so. That was a that was interesting.
2: Okay.
4: I had a class called Physics for Poets when I was in college because um, I was an art major and that's the one they gave us. <laughs> but I was fascinated by that. I loved it. I mean, it was hard physics and, and it was it was um, difficult for me. And it was kind of the same thing. I, I was thinking in a certain way and, and, um, and plus for me, it was great because it was a big lecture hall and the instructor was in the front, in front of this big table, and he would do these demonstrations with ping pong balls and things like that to, to demonstrate the laws of physics that he was articulating. And it was kind of like a magic show in a way. <laughs> it's was very entertaining. But I, I struggled with it a lot. And I would meet a friend in the evening who was a pre-med student. <laughs> I thought maybe she could help me think differently, and uh, but it was one of those courses where I worked really hard and and I did well, but it was it was hard, even physics for poets, <laughs> but I felt like some window opened in my mind that hadn't been opened before, and I don't know what that was, but it made me think differently about the world the same way when I went to the Art Institute in the fourth grade and saw these enormous water lily paintings had did the same thing. It shifted something in the way I saw and interpreted the world. And with Zen practice, I've noticed since I've been doing my little may I be generous, open hearted, and I have to tell you, I'm leaving off the kind now I just. (laughs) dedicate myself to be generous and open hearted, because if I add the kind part to it, I feel like I fail all day long. So I just, I if I just say generous and open hearted, it's easier for me to be easy and open than if I'm expecting some behavior from myself that I may not be capable of in the moment. Because open-hearted, I can be. I can be angry and open-hearted. I can be open-hearted with my anger. I mean, especially towards myself. So um, I found that uh, help. It, it, it helps. And uh, yeah, Sunny and I last night did a gig with the art school. Uh, teen bunker project so they have a studio every other friday from four to six for teenagers supposedly but mainly you get the younger teenagers which are like the middle school kids that i have found the most challenging age (laughs) but that was a real exercise in um staying open and uh it was kind of wonderful we did these big Life-size self-portraits and sunny played music. I'm very grateful for this practice because it helps me listen in a different way to others. And these young people are uh, uh, a little edgy and snotty and uh, defensive and. <laughs> That kind of thing sometimes and uh, it's interesting to, to see how the the work engages them and then that shifts, but I don't know if that had anything to do with anything but I love the parrot sketch. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh,
1: I was hoping my my physics class I, I did not take physics in. Uh, uh, community college or even uh, high school. Because the story was that at Cal, uh, that was taught by Edward Teller. He's the guy that really undermined Oppenheimer, by the way. Mm -hmm. Edward Teller taught it, and that it was, you know, it was like that with with ping pong balls and stuff like that. And the year I got to Cal, they changed it and they decided to make it a real class, and we had some sets. And quizzes, and it was it was hard, and I was really pissed off because <laughs> I could have taken something much easier beforehand. But I w- because but because I knew I was going to Cal, and back then, if you had X Y grades or whatever, you automatically got in, and it wasn't so crowded that you wound up shunted somewhere else. So it was a slam dunk. <laughs> <laughs> Until it wasn't. Maybe that's part of why I had a hard time with it, because I was a little freaked out. that I had to do that math, but more complicated. You yeah. know. So, oh well. Yes.
0: I thought of another classic comedy thing that sort of touches on what we're saying, and that's in um, Doctor Strangelove. How
1: mm-hmm. I, you know, I learned to about. stop worrying and love the bomb.
0: And there was the German kind of advisor to the president, kind of a Henry Kissinger guy, who and earlier in his life was a Nazi. And
1: Peter Sellers, I think. Yeah.
0: One of his three roles. And and periodically he would just get sort of wrapped up and he would start to do a heil Hitler, and then he would put it down again. And that's sort of the opposite of letting go in a way. And at home, sometimes when I feel myself sort of warping up, I'll, uh, or if I've said something, uh, I kind of do that. Thing. I'm doing it again. Um, anyway, comedy is sometimes a great teacher. Yes. Yeah.
2: So I think, I think that's, that's enough. These are numberless.
1: I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it. Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's
0: way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it.
4: This is it, eh? You know, you're on break. Joy, Mary, and see you all. Yes.